If I told you had a story needing to be heard, would you tell it? Better yet, if you knew your story could help someone else, would you share it? Today, my guest is Sal. Sal has battled back from high-conflict divorce and estrangement from his children as a result of addiction. Sal is going to share his journey today on the Stories of Hope. I'm Christine Hotchkiss, and I believe everyone has a story that is unique, just like our fingerprint, that puts us on the path of our journey. Some would call it purpose. Each story can inspire, help, heal, and of course, my favorite word, give hope. Hi, Sal. Welcome. Hi, Christine. Thank How are you? you? I'm outstanding. Well, by and that is a great thing to hear. So thank you. So if anyone doesn't understand what high conflict divorce is, mm-hmm. please share with me what that is. So, um, at least in my experience, um, high conflict divorce, I, I would qualify it as a, a situation where maybe mom and dad that are going through a divorce uh, and there's kids involved they have a hard time remembering how to be parents and adults which sometimes we do when Mm -hmm. we're going through that Mm -hmm. uh and uh so we make things really hard from a legal perspective and it puts the kids in a position where um they really have um they have to kind of carry some of the weight of the divorce or or get um some ownership in the spousal conflict that they really shouldn't yeah, have to yeah. have. The emotions get involved. They're not sure what to do. Then they feel like they're being divided. Mm-hmm. They got to love one parent over the other, or they right. have to dislike one parent over the other. All of a sudden they've been, yeah, they've been divided. So I get yep. the conflict part. Um, you mentioned addiction, mm-hmm. but let me first mention men don't get asked about the same topics that women go through. Mm. Well, we're very opinionated and I believe that we probably shouldn't be, but we have no problem expressing how we feel. Right. And a lot of times no one even has to ask, ask us how we're doing or what, what we're going through. But men, they don't get asked these questions. Right. So for divorce, you always hear about how the women feel, what they have been through or what they didn't get. So today's conversation, you're going to be on the man's version of what you went through. Oh, boy. I know. Hot, <laughs> hot seat, hot seat. Um, uh, I want to break the stigmas sure. of so many sorts. And one of them is, how does a man feel about the same topics a woman feels? Mm. Whether it was inflicted by them or not, it's still a feeling that they need to express because there's a lot of things that happen that probably could have been avoided. Yeah. And as I introduced you, there was a mentioning of addiction. Right. And which side of the relationship was the addiction? So um, there was definitely alcohol abuse. Um, There was definitely some uh, drug use in there as well. Um, And this was a period of probably a couple years from like 2004 to 2006. Okay. That, um, yeah, it uh, caused a lot of problems at the very tail end of my first marriage. And what's really interesting, though, is... That first marriage, um, we didn't drink hardly at all. We actually, I mean, I had some, you know, typical teenage stuff. Like Casual. I threw all the parties <laughs> in high school, but I didn't graduate. <laughs> like literally threw the graduation party, but I didn't actually graduate high school. Okay. Um, so, uh, so in my young adult life, in my first marriage, we got involved with church work really uh, before we even got married. So, and there were some suggestions Mm -hmm. about uh alcohol consumption and so we you know followed them pretty well and we just didn't drink so um that was for a long that was for a long time that was like 10 11 years um okay and um and i had worked in uh christian radio we kind of bounced around the southwest 
But as soon as I made the transition uh, from Christian music radio into kind of mainstream top 40, really one of the biggest uh, top 40 stations um, here in Phoenix um, in 2004, I immediately was introduced to things like going out to the club three, four nights a week for quote unquote work and Mm -hmm. uh, bar tabs that were kind of already open open and taken care of Mm -hmm. and Oh, so you've heard of these? Uh, <laughs> you've heard rumors parties. of that. I, I'm yeah. gonna play that one. Yeah, <laughs> right. So, um, and what's really uh, even more interesting was I, I was exposed to, or I worked with people that they, you know, they could drink a drug and they were like bulletproof. At least I, you know. So you I thought, thought they, they were, were right? right? So I'm like, well, this is cool. I'm all in. Let's go. And yeah, uh, my too. first wife wanted no part of that. Clearly, she hadn't signed up for any of that. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, so there was a lot of that uh, that happened in that last couple years there of uh, the end of my marriage into, um, yeah, into 2006. And that's where the estranged relationships with your children probably took place as well? Also, yeah. Also, they probably felt now, and I'm assuming they're older now? They are. They're actually both um, adults. So my daughter just aged out. Um, she turned 18 in November. Okay. Yeah, so they're both adults, and um, absolutely um, part of the conflict, the high-conflict divorce, was back and forth with visitation, no visitation, try to make it right, you know, um, lots of back support, lots of issues, um, you know, surrounding the whole thing. So, um, yeah, so the kids, uh, we haven't, um, we actually haven't spoke, we're still estranged, um, and haven't spoke since... Maybe 2014, end of 2014, Christmas was the last time we saw them. Okay. I think 2013. They'll come around just so you know. We're all going to have to realize that as we get older, we do make mistakes like our parents did. What? I wasn't told about that either until I made a few of my own. exactly. And that included some consequences where my son one day said, Mom, I'm disappointed in you. Mm. And I'm like, oh, ouch. Because uh, if you know my story, I lost my 17-year-old daughter on New Year's Day 2007 right. in a family rollover accident. And that t- turned into some of my own on my journey, which included drinking, which I didn't even do that. And then right. my, my drinking wasn't – I was an addict. I wasn't an alcoholic. It was, oh, it's my daughter's birthday or would be her birthday, so drink to her. Well, that mm. got me in trouble. Right. Not once, but twice. So, um, yeah, we all have something that we'll have to go through before we realize that our parents were really normal. Right. So it'll come back around in the meantime, just keep sticking it out the way you do. Um, What was your turning point? Whoa. Um, Gosh. So it was suggested to me Ah, repeatedly (laughs) um, by coworkers. The last job that I had in radio, there was a coworker of mine that was in – uh, involved in a uh, recovery program, okay. and he made repeated <laughs> suggestions. That's what friends do when they care. <laughs> Repeatedly <laughs> said, hey, man, if you ever need a meeting, just let me know. Uh, and I was like, no. You know, I went to Alateen as a kid, so I come from my background as my dad was an alcoholic. My grandfather was a raging alcoholic, mm. um, and uh, my dad was in, in and out of AA for a little bit um, as a teen. He uh, when I wrecked my first car, that's a whole nother show. Okay. We'll, <laughs> but we'll when I wrecked that my first in. car, he made me drive it to an Alateen meeting uh, while he attended his AA meeting. And the car was completely broken down. We had to get it jumped <laughs> to get it home. It was just wrecked. 
but uh, but he made me do it. Just you know, kind of when you put a dog's nose in, in its own poo. Right, I guess. right. Don't do that again. Yeah, do that exactly. Again. Uh, so <laughs> I, when my friend offered it, my coworker offered, you know, hey, do you want to go to a meeting? I was like, no, I kind of have a bad taste in my mouth of that whole program experience. I'm good, man. Uh, then my uh, probation officer recommended that I might want to do that, and uh, and the truth is. Um, up until that point, uh, which was, this is getting into October 1st, 2006. Um, but before that, uh, my, my drinking career involved also, um, breaking into an ex-girlfriend's house and stealing her pistol and running around town threatening suicide and calling my ex-wife and saying, let me see the kids. And that was where the probation officer comes into play. Uh, That was part of it. And so having to put the school on lockdown, SWAT team shows up at my house the next what? day. Yeah. Um, this is only something I would imagine seeing in a movie. Was this a set that you didn't that know about? The radio station that I worked at <laughs> showed up to report on it. Oh, yeah. It oh, was, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I guess so. Then it was highly, highly recommended, if not forced upon you, that the turning point needed to be now. Yep. And I said, no, thank you. Again. again. And my 30, uh, what was it? My 33rd birthday. Okay. Uh I went out with some friends to Old Town like we had always done for every big event. Sure. And um, my friends knew I was back and forth with trying to just kind of quit drinking. And uh, and they said, hey, it's your birthday. One drink, man. <laughs> what, what could possibly happen? I was blacked out before the end of the drink. Oh, I don't even remember anything okay. after that. And okay. so I woke up on the side of Scottsdale Road uh, covered in my own urine and... Literally oh. sleeping in bushes, like right on the side wait, of wait, Scottsdale wait, wait. Road. Where were wait, the wait, what? friends? Don't know. They said I took off and they don't know what happened to me. And they couldn't find oh, me. Oh, so they had no idea. They really did. You... Yeah, I oh, was completely wow. blacked out and okay. just disappeared. I woke up that morning, though, <laughs> right? And in just my own, mm. I guess, disgust for myself yeah. as a result of what I, you know, had experienced, apparently, in the previous 12 hours that I just said, okay, now. Nah, now I think I'm ready. <laughs> so the SWAT team didn't do it. Wreck, you know, multiple wrecked cars. Wife, which Yeah. Ex- losing kids. the family, the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, losing jobs in radio and that whole career, really. Um, none of that mattered. No. But apparently my own, you know, pride of just woke up on the side of the road, you know, and had uh, apparently, you know, lost Realized total control the night before. Blacked enough. out. Yeah, that was enough. Really? So I did. I walked into the rooms of uh, Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, even though it's not anonymous uh, anymore that I went there. <laughs> okay. um, but that's okay. I don't mind. Okay. I share it all the time. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah. And, and from the first time I went there, I was like, wow, this is cool. I'm all in. Let's go. What do we got to do to make it better? And I struggled. Um, I struggled in and out of the rooms. Um, not not major like um, relapses or anything like that, but there have been over the last 14 years now or 13 and a half years, there's been two or three times that sure I, I might've picked up a drink, but, um, but, uh, but I got really, really lucky. I just got really lucky and I got out really unscathed to be quite honest of, uh, of the drinking game altogether recently. So, so yeah. did you, everyone knows, even if you're not here in Arizona, everyone's heard of tent city. Mm. I believe it's now shut down because Sheriff Joe Arpaio so, right? is no longer Sheriff yeah. Joe Arpaio. I believe it is shut down. Did you get to have some time there? You know, a couple times, a couple Christine. Times. Yeah, I spent I, a couple visits there. Yeah. Um, and I, 
one, you know, the one was for the DUI, of course. That was going to be a no-brainer. That was an mm-hmm. overnight. I got lucky on that one, too. I did That was just the overnight, and I didn't have to do the full, you know, two weeks or whatever they do. Um, uh, 15 days. On 15 days <laughs> on an extreme. <laughs> Depending yeah. on your, yeah. I got lucky. Um, so that, well, I say I got lucky, but I still went in. Like, that was there was nothing lucky about any of that. No. But uh, in and out for, you know, back support, I've still, um, even though I've cleaned up some of it, I mean, I, I was way behind those first couple of years because I wasn't doing anything, honestly, except for but worrying about myself and drinking and partying and trying to hang on to the last of my career. So, uh, so the ex-wife said, yeah, lock them up. And uh, they did. They obliged. Yeah, I think yep. they call that tough love, but it sounds like you got more than just tough love. Yeah. You lost a family and yeah, all of so that. Yeah, I so I did a month in July. Ooh, it's hot. Work release intensity in 2007. Okay. Uh, so I'm now I'm sober. That's the worst part. Congratulations. So, right? But at that point, too, I was like, well, this stinks. Why did I get sober? <laughs> well, That's not, is that really the way it works? Uh, but you do. You have to go through some stuff. And But I was on work release, so I, w- I was getting out at night for work at like 5 o'clock at night. But then I'd have to be out in the tents all During all the day in the heat. July and August, yeah. Mm. It was 100. Remember, it's a dry heat. 120. Yeah, it was brutal. <laughs> okay, so um, moving forward, you've got through the divorce mm-hmm. you're still working on the relationship with the children um what are you doing now now that you're sober so i keep trying to reach out to them what's interesting is um and we had talked about this a little bit before uh the interview but um i've i've tried to reach out to them um i tried to get some education under my belt as far as like what happened because i don't i just don't understand how i woke up one day and they literally i just can't get the court to do anything okay um so, um, or I can't get mom to agree to anything, right? Mm-hmm. Can't get the kids to agree to do anything. Mm-hmm. Like, what happened? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I found some folks that are pretty educated in, in the field of high-conflict divorce and reunification and started to kind of put some things together, uh, at least in my mind, of uh, understanding better what causes these types of situations over the last five years. And I've still tried to reach out to them, and they still, unfortunately, we're, we're still not talking. Um, okay. And that's okay. I did have one, there was like one brief moment that my son called for something. He was like really upset. He thought I did something uh, or gave it a contact information out or something. And uh, so he called me, and he was like uh, very upset. And um, I took the opportunity. We didn't have a lot of time. Uh, I could tell it was going to be a short phone call uh, based on his his feeling. But he let me know some of the things that he thought um, that I'm sure my daughter echoes the same sentiments of mm-hmm. dad's piece of garbage and, you know, abandoned them. I'm sure yeah. it feels like I abandoned them yeah. just like I abandoned mom. But, uh, but I just said, I, I can understand how you feel, feel that way. Absolutely. You know, I, you I know, hear you. And the sad part, as I'd mentioned earlier, is that the kids are in the middle, as you also stated. Um, there's always one parent that's not happy with what happened when it comes oh, course, to a relationship, yeah. and it really and I and I will say this because I have gone through and I'm a I am a divorced have been for several years. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the adults have gotten the children involved to make them go one way versus the other, and it sure. really is the wrong thing. The children need to have the relationships with their parents as their relationships as individually, yeah. not what the parents' relationships were. Right. Um, and that is where the destruction of families come in, and that's where the feeling, like you said earlier, abandonment, because right. we don't know what the other parent's saying. And I'm going to say this now. 
The other parent, whether it's mom or dad, have no right to say anything about the other parent right. when that was their relationship. So it'll come back around to you. Um, when it comes to addiction, I have met a few people. Um, things happen in our lives. There are triggers. We are not perfect. Can what? you imagine? Shocker. No, I know. I make mistakes <laughs> all the time. Trust me. Um, what kind of message would you like to give to our listeners and it doesn't have to be gendered for the men being right. going through divorce. What message would you like to give that would give hope to anybody that would have gone through either divorce, addiction, or you know the children? Absolutely. Um, and I, I'm glad you touched on that because I, in my experience, and so I've, I've been a part of helping set up some support groups for high-conflict divorce, um, some of the same situations that I've gone through, and surprise, very surprisingly— mm-hmm especially in the support group meetings, it's like 80% women. Yes. Um, I had no clue the amount of women that were being estranged from their children before mm-hmm. getting involved in that mm-hmm. whole experience myself. So I think the truth is that there there really are resources. So there's a lot of um, there's a lot of support groups on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Sure, some of them are just, you know, other parent gender Something. bashing, but yeah, they are. that's going to happen. Um, but there's some really great groups out there. There's some folks that do... Um, they'll do like Facebook live video shows, you know, maybe once a week or something like that. They'll have different guests on mm-hmm. different doctors or, or coaches or psych, uh, psychologists, counselors that kind of understand it to a certain degree. Cause there has been a lot of progress made in just what we used to call parental alienation, like in the seventies, mm-hmm. that's kind of gone by the wayside and that whole theory, because it doesn't, it's not really rooted in science. Um, there's been a lot of work done, uh, by a couple key folks, um, that, uh, that there are resources now. Um, there are support out there. Um, don't be afraid, A, to tell other people what's going on. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to ask. That's, Absolutely. I think, the biggest one. I thought yeah. for sure I was supposed to go through this alone. I was just supposed to tough it out and figure it out because that's what, if you're the dad of the, you know, in the divorce situation, that's just what's expected. That's what the judge told me to do. Mm-hmm. He said, just go figure it out. Oh. Just go make a job that's going to pay whatever the support the is. Being I requested, just, yeah. yeah. Okay, um, so I think we, you know, we feel like that's what we're supposed to do with everything in life, and mm-hmm. that's not true. No. Um, and and uh, and again, my, you know, my desire is to continue to just encourage other guys that are going through it. Mm-hmm. Um, encourage other, really, other people, but specifically, I think my my kind of niche, my niche is really um, other guys that are kind of trying to rebuild, you know, their lives after going through it and figure it out. Um, not that girls aren't invited, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> the girls are invited yeah. you can come too. but, um, yeah, there, there's some, you know, there's some tricks that I've learned along the way and some of them aren't fun. No. You know, like, Hey, you got to go to Goodwill and pick up a dozen shirts for work. That's what you got to do. Right. Now I highly recommend going to North Scottsdale. <laughs> Right? The goodwill and there. That, and the goodwill there. I found <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> Van Heusen button down shirts for like a dollar fifty a piece. It Some, was amazing. That was the someone, best day. <laughs> someone else paid the the full price. They paid tickets. the hundred dollars yes, for shirt. Yes. I paid the you know, it was fantastic. So now you talked about yeah. your niche, um, or niche, however someone wants to pronounce it. Sure. You have a podcast or you have a book? I what know, have you got? I you know, Christine, you're funny. <laughs> I, <laughs> Everybody's got something that they can be Everybody's a resource to somebody. So I, you know, you asked earlier, what am I doing now? I'm really actually helping more people by helping other people. Okay. Re- then I'll make sense of this, I hope, in a second. 
behind the scenes yes. uh, helping other people than me actually in front of the camera or in front of the mic, mm-hmm. which is weird because I spent so much time in radio. I thought this was it. Right. I was married to this thing and I loved it. Uh-huh. Um, I've been fascinated with radio since I was a kid, but I'm having more fun actually supporting other people that want to get in, fr- in front of the mic or, or maybe produce a record or whatever. So that's some of what I'm doing. But um, <clears throat> but I did last um, a year ago. Uh, yeah, about a year ago, I put together um, a quick series on YouTube about surviving divorce. So you can mm-hmm. find it. It's Rebuilding Me with Sal DeGuardia. Um, Repeat it again. Plug. You said it so fast. Like you I know. I said it because you don't have to go. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> but in case someone like, is interested in what that means. Right. Um, rebuilding Me with Sal DeGuardia. If you just look up Rebuilding Me, you'll probably find. Perfect. Okay. Yeah, my, I think we're all channel. qualifying under rebuilding me, especially with the times know, right? that we're going through right That's now. That's why I loved it. So, yes. and that actually, you said podcast or a book. It's so weird. I started. Um, I was almost. I was going through a, what I thought was going to be a breakup with who is my now wife, who's amazing and that she supported is. me through all this whole journey the last thirteen years. We'll give a shout um, out to Amanda. Amanda DiGuardia. She's amazing. She is. Um. The uh, there was a time that we split. This is like 2008, 2009, and I I was hurting. I was in like a roach infested apartment in, off of Camelback and Seventh. It was bad. There was like maggots falling out of the fan in the fridge. Oh, this was a, something that one of my best friends actually hooked me. Hey man, I got an apartment you can rent. Here, <laughs> sure rent this do. place. And I was like, What did you just get me into? But it was it. That was the only option I thought I had. So okay. Anyway, the, it was a really difficult discussion to get the ex-wife to even agree to bring the kids near there, much see. less let them stay. Sure. Uh, bed bugs. There was all kinds of issues. Um. I had no no cable, no internet, no nothing. It was me and a TV with an antenna and uh, and a bunch of paper. And I was late night. It was like late night. I was watching uh, Wayne Dyer on PBS. I know Wayne Dyer. Love oh Wayne Dyer. Oh, my gosh. And I was watching his whole uh, Power of Intention series on PBS for free because mm-hmm. that's all that was on at 2 o'clock in the morning <laughs> what <laughs> um, a way to get on inspired. a TV with only antenna. Yeah, yeah. But I did. I It actually um, – there was that and then – you know, like those cheesy commercials that come on at night that are like, hi, I'm really rich guy with these two <laughs> fancy cars behind me and two hot blondes. So, you know, sign up for my new program and you're going to learn how to make a million dollars tomorrow. You were a sucker. Uh, no, I said, why? What is the deal? Like, why do they keep pushing these self-help books and blah, 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 uh, right? 20 bucks this and then they get you on the back end, right? For mm-hmm. something. Well, I took a different approach. Um, I went to the library and I took out every single book I could on Donald Trump and the art of the deal. Business 101. Okay. I know I, that's going to scare some people. This is way before all this stuff. Way Just before so he clear, was president. Okay. This is like that's more okay. than, yeah. Because the truth is he, he said a lot of great stuff in his books and, and there's some great concepts in there. Um, he talks very openly about the financial issues and mm-hmm. how he can't overcame them. with some brilliant strategies. I mean, mm-hmm. ruthless mm-hmm. businessman, but mm-hmm. brilliant. Mm-hmm. Um, and it made me sit down and say, you know what? I need to get my story on paper. It's it's now it's starting to come out right from somewhere in here. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I sat down and I started writing Rebuilding Me, the book. Love it. Um, and I, I didn't complete it, but I got about five, six chapters in. And uh, and it is um, because that story is not finished. Mm-hmm. And it probably will never be, right, is the punchline. You, you never might, know. This new journey of yours, you might find that. But uh, Right. Um, the initial, uh, draft was just, let me get the story down on paper and then life happened. And now, you know, it was 10 years later and I had the idea 
with technology to just say, you know what, let's just get the story on YouTube. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started that as more of a proof of concept, but there's some good stuff. I think there's some good content in there. I believe everyone yeah. I believe everyone has a story within them. That's why I have my show, right. right? To help everybody. So when someone says, I don't have a story, oh, but you do. It doesn't mean it's gonna be, like you said, you already started a book, but it's you're not sure if it's gonna get finished. Right. Well, your story is still walking until the day you're put it is. You know, down in the ground or whatever your uh, final requests are. Um, everyone has a story within them. You're going through it. You're sharing yours with uh, everyone else, yeah. and um, maybe someone who's not thinking they have a story or think they can write a book will now be inspired by you saying, "I had one, but I probably won't finish the book." Oh no, I'm going to finish the book. Okay. Uh, it's a, uh, oh no, now the challenge is on. I'm so sorry. <laughs> me? You challenge. Misunder- you misunderstood me, Christine. <laughs> I must thinking have. I'm not going to finish. <laughs> no, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to finish. Because no. um, I have to admit this. So I never thought I could write a book because right. I was told by a lady who let me go. I was doing her marketing for stuff, mm-hmm. but I think it turned into something different, and. And she said to me, the reason why she let me go is because I didn't know how to write. Hmm. I've got my story in two books, and I'm going to be writing another book at the end of this year. I'm thinking I should probably drop one off at her doorstep oh, to tell awesome. her she was so right. So fantastic. Though that's I'm not great. being vindictive. It's just one of those you just kind of have to be pushed to say, what do you yeah. mean you can't? Uh, let me show you I just did. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and it probably will even make you feel better to know that you had, you finished something you started right. versus saying, well, I'll get to it when I get to Because yeah. right now, a lot of people have a lot of extra time on their hands. Yes, we do. We could have written that book or finished Maybe. that book or started that podcast. I I did put some of it in record. I, I put it some of it in music form. So I did a. Uh, please don't look it up. It's horrible. <laughs> then don't mention I'm not, it. We're not gonna. We're, yeah, we're not gonna okay. do the content. But you can find it. Okay. It's not that hard to find. But okay. I did a. I did a, actually a, a eight song kind of in between a long form EP or, or a long form record and a kind of a shorter extended play EP. But I I wrote it, recorded it, produced it. That's um, how I kind of built up a little home studio setup. That's modest, but it's enough to do some projects and. So do you want to uh, mention it in case somebody's out there looking for someone like you that has uh, this ability that I, they didn't know was there? Sure. Okay. If where can someone? To. Where can you be found if someone wants to reach out to you? Um, you could honestly, you could just go to, uh, just email me, saldeguardia at gmail.com. Okay. D-I-G-U-A-R-D-I-A. It's kind of like LaGuardia Airport, but it's D-I. Been so there Sal too. Sal DeGuardia. Have you? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> He's, Mayor LaGuardia is from here. He actually went to high school in Prescott. I was just having this conversation with somebody. It's so weird. And now we're bringing this up, and I had no idea. I don't know. We just physically met today. That's yeah. interesting. Isn't that awesome? All right. Any final words? Any final statement? Any final wishes? Or any final gifts of hope? I, so first of all, your story is so powerful. And, and you know this because I shared this with you, but I didn't really know who you were and some of the work that you were doing. Mm-hmm. All I knew from you, uh, and it was like through, I don't remember how it happened, but it was like, you know, one of those mutual friends or suggestive friends, like you said. On Facebook. And it was like the first story that popped up was the story that you shared a few years ago from like start to finish. Um, you shared the whole thing and I, I just was impacted deeply. And um, and I just wanted to support you any way I could and, and reached out and I'm just so thankful. Thank you for having me to be a part of it because I didn't expect that. I'm excited. At all. Thank yes. you. Um, and um, there's there's help. Um, please don't do you know what I've done because I've struggled with uh, everything from depression, anxiety to outright paranoia, worrying that my ex-wife has, you know, uh, PIs down the street, you know, investigating me and all that. And uh, and I finally realized, you know, um, first of all, 
I'm not that important. But oh, second of all, I don't know about that. But you're, you're sec- you you're don't next have way. to go through that for years and years and no, years no, 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 on no. your own. No, so no. just yeah, reach out. Let's let somebody know that you're struggling. There's resources, and it's okay. And it's okay to get help. That is why I do the story as a hope because if this is an yeah. opportunity for someone to reach out to someone who can say, "Me too." Yep. Or oh, I'm not alone. Or I have a friend who needs to hear this story. Because my life today is fantastic. I wouldn't have given this up for anything in the world if I would have known mm-hmm. that I could have asked for help like this 10 years ago. Oh, my gosh. Timing is everything. Yeah. Thank you, Sal, for being my guest. Thank you, Christine, for being the host. Absolutely. And for sharing your story to inspire, to heal, and to, of course, my favorite word, give hope. And to my listeners, thank you for listening. And please subscribe so you can hear the next great, amazing story because these are just getting better and better. And I am found here on anchor.fm. You have Spotify and you find me under Stories of Hope. If you're seeing this on Facebook or hearing this on Facebook, that is where you'll find me as well. Until next time, I wish everyone well. Thank you again. Thanks, Christine. All right. Take care, everybody.